Uh, we want to do that. Philippians chapter 2. If you don't have the Bible, there's Bibles on the back table. There's also outlines on the back table. Let's pray and let's dig into the Word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We love you, Lord. You're a great and an awesome God. Lord, as we go to your Word right now, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. We thank you that everyone who's here this morning is here by divine appointment, none by chance. So open our hearts to hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said... As we've been talking through, we, if you're new to Calvary Chapel, we go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, because nothing less than a whole Bible makes a whole Christian. And in Philippians, we have seen so far in the first chapter, this was an epistle, one of Paul's prison epistles. Paul is sitting in prison. He's about to face Caesar Nero. He's actually been in prison for about four years between Caesarea and Rome. And he's in prison for sharing his faith, for being a bold Christian. Saul, who once was out to kill Christians, is now a man speaking boldly for the cause of Christ. So he's sitting in prison, his life is on the line, and he gets some help from this church in Philippi. Philippi was a, a church that he had helped to plant, and that church had been planted there, and they sent him a gift, to just a way of comforting him while he was in prison. So he writes this letter back, and there's two things he's doing. He's thanking them for their support and their encouragement, but he's also writing this letter, and 19 times there's a word in this letter. What is it? Nobody was here last week or the week. What, what, what's the key thing to this entire letter? What is it? Joy. Joy. So 19 times that now you say, why is Pastor Dave repetitive? Now you know why. But 19 times it says that we, he talks about having joy. And we saw in the first chapter having joy in our circumstances. You know, it's easy to have joy when everything in life is perfect, but the reality is that's not very often. Can I get an amen to that? And so because life isn't perfect very often, how in the world do we have joy in the midst of it? And so we talked about that at length in chapter 1. I encourage you to go online, grab the CDs, listen. So 19 times he talks about joy. And what's amazing is the Apostle Paul is writing a letter filled with joy while he's sitting in prison and could die any day. And you know what? If we were sitting in prison, we probably wouldn't be writing a letter filled with joy, maybe one filled with panic, or maybe with one asking people for help. But Paul's not focused on himself. He's focused on ministering to others. The other thing that's taking place in Philippi when he writes this letter, there's some division in that local church. And it could have been any two individuals. In this case, it happens to be, uh, we see it at the end of the text, two women who are battling with each other, and there's some division in the church. And their names were Yodia and Sentiki. So that's good Bible knowledge there, amen? So these two women are having a, con a conflict, and both of them are kind of striving with each other, and each one of them is kind of unwilling to humble themselves. And as Paul writes this letter filled with joy, he's also going to remind us that, guys, it's not about us, it's about the Lord. Can I get an amen to that? That we need to die to ourselves. Do we need to esteem others greater than ourselves? As we often talk about joy, Jesus, others, yourself. We need to put ourselves last, amen? And the problem we have today in the world we live in today is so many of us are so focused on ourselves. We need to be focused on the Lord. So in chapter one, he talked about how to have joy in your circumstances. Number one, by learning to trust in the sovereignty of God. If you didn't know it, God's in control. Can I get an amen? God is in control. God is faithful. The Lord loves us. He's not surprised by your circumstances. You can trust him. God is sovereign, and it brings peace to all circumstances. The other way we can have joy in our circumstances is by having an eternal perspective. Guys, heaven is better. Amen? 
And all of, us have, all of us have had people that we love die. And if they know the Lord, they close their eyes on earth and they open them up and glory and heaven is better. And you know what? When we recognize that, it can give us joy in difficult circumstances in this life. And then finally, we saw, and we're gonna, I'll read some verses to you as it ties into this chapter. By How do we have joy in our circumstances? By putting our faith in action. See, Christians are not just so, supposed to be pew potatoes. Can I get an Amen. We're not supposed to be like the Dead Sea where it's all inlet and no outlet. We don't just come to church on Sunday. It should cha- If Monday doesn't change, Sunday doesn't count. Amen? We need to leave here and go out and have an impact on the world around us. And praise God for Ohana and other ministries. We're on five radio stations. We support a couple church plants. This little church in a city that doesn't have a lot of churches, God's using us here to be salt and light. But for us to be salt and light, by the way, I mentioned it last week. Great segue. We talked about uh, the, the, the ministry that has someone's come forward to pay the money to do it. It's called Assimilate USA, and we're gonna, we got awarded nine, the 91301 area codes, everything that side of Lost Hills. We're going to have the material showing up here in a couple weeks. We're going to need some help. And what it is, is it's, a, it's the, the Jesus movie on DVD. It's the seven spiritual laws on how to give your life to the Lord if you're not a Christian. And we're able to put our own information and door hangers, and they give you a map, and we've signed up to put those on 9,000 homes here in a few weeks. And so I would love for us to get involved. A lot of people who are always saying, how can I help? What can I do? How can I serve? If you can walk and you can put something on a doorknob, you're hired. Can I get an amen? So I want to encourage you guys, but here's the point. We want to get outside of just coming to church and just being Christians in this building, guys, this is where we recharge and we go out. As soon as we walk out of here, we're walking into our mission field, amen? And so the exhorts, wait, how do we get my focus off my circumstances? Take the focus off of me and start putting my faith in action. So now we come to chapter two. If you have your outline, grab it. And I, so we had joy in spite of our circumstances, now joy in spite of people. Can people rob you of your joy? Can I get an amen? And here's the reality, and you can rob others of their joy. We had two honest people in the room. But you know what? How do we have joy in spite of people around us that drive us crazy? How do we have joy in spite of difficult people in our lives? How do we have joy in spite of a difficult boss, a difficult neighbor, troubles in our marriage, trials with our kids, whatever you may be going through in life? How do you have joy in spite of that? And there's two points in, in, in this morning's message that we will look at. First of all, unity through humility. You know, the, the Bible says to humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. And he's dealing with the, the, specifically with these two women that are battling with each other, but it applies to our lives as well. But guys, we need to learn to love people and esteem others greater than ourselves. Can I get an amen? And instead of being bugged by people, we need to pray for people. We need to pray for them. We need to love them. We need to show them the love of Christ. We need to be uh, others focused instead of focused on ourselves. You know why we get offended? Because we think too highly of ourselves. Who do you think you're talking to? No one's ever thought that besides me, right? Who do you think you're talking to? And the reality is that we're all sinners in desperate need of a Savior. We're just one beggar leading another beggar to the bread. We should be the most humble people, the most gracious, the most kind and loving people because of who we are in Christ. Can I get an amen to that? The second thing, along with unity through humility, we have a humble mind but a Christ-centered mind. Jesus is our ultimate example 
of humility. And I know we've all thought about this, but we're going to talk about this in detail. Can you imagine? We don't have a clue what it's, what it's like to have been in heaven. But praise God, we will one day. Can I get an amen? But we don't know what it's like to be in perfection and leave perfection to come to a sinful and a fallen world. And not only to leave perfection and to come to a sinful and a fallen world, but to know that when we get there, we're going to be mocked. We're going to be tortured. We're going to be put to death. We're going to know separation from the Father. And then on the third day, raised from the dead. And that's exactly what our Savior did. Amen? He left perfection to come here. He humbled himself because he loves you. If Jesus humbled himself, how much more should we be humbling ourselves? Perfect, holy God humbled himself, so so too we should humble ourselves. Let's begin there. I'm going to go back and read, beginning in verse 27, and then we'll pick up in verse 1, and we'll go verse by verse through the text. Let's begin there. Go back, and I'm just going to read this portion to you. It just kind of sets up chapter 2. It says, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you and am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for faith in the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is, 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 of, is of them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to what? To suffer for his sake. Everyone in the Bible used mightily, suffered greatly. And nobody suffered more than our Savior. But yet as Christians, often we have the mindset that, well, if Jesus loves me, I'll never have any difficulty. But the Bible says, in the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. See, no suffering is wasted, and whatever difficulty we go through, God will use it for his glory if we will let him. And so he's exhorting them, to be people of faith, to recognize that suffering is a part of the deal. Jesus suffered on the cross for us. We shouldn't be surprised when we suffer if we live out loud for the Lord and we minister faithfully to a lost and a dying world. It says, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. Paul's writing this about suffering while he's sitting in prison. And if anybody knew about suffering, it was the Apostle Paul. We can read in 2 Corinthians, you know, a day and night in the deep and shipwrecks often and beatings often. He was, he was beaten with rods four times, you know, 40 lashes minus one. He, he went through hunger and cold and nakedness, but he never wavered. And here's the reality. A faith that hasn't been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. Amen? And it's a testing of our faith that molds us into the people that God wants us to be. So let's just pick up there in verse 1, looking at, Joy in spite of people, first by having a submissive mind. How many of you in your, in your uh, someone asked you when you graduated high school, what do you, want to do, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? I want to learn how to be submitted to other people. Is that anybody, did anybody ever say that? Has that ever been our heart? But Bible says again, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the what? The servant of all. So guys, we're not to be self-righteous and arrogant and trying to make people serve us. The world says that you're, Value is, is equated by how many people serve you, and the Bible says it's by how many people you serve. God's called us to be servants, and God's called us to die to ourselves. So he says, in light of what he just said in verses 27 to 30 and 
Let your conduct be worthy of the gospel. Therefore, so in light of everything we just said, if there is any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, if any fellowship of spirit, if any affliction and mercy, affliction and mercy, affection and mercy, excuse me, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. So the first thing he says there is, again, a consolation. Therefore, implies, again, what he had earlier said. And then the word if there is actually since. It's better interpreted since. So since there is a consolation of love. Since there's comfort that comes from the Lord. Since we have these things in Christ. Now, again, think of the two of the women getting this letter. They're in a battle with each other. And they're both kind of being stubborn. And both of them is kind of wants their own way. And while he's talking to the two of them, he's also talking to all of us. And we can be in a position where we get stubborn about where we are. And we want the other person to submit. And the Bible tells us that that should never be our heart. Can I get an amen to that? God's called us to have a heart, to surrender, to submit to others, to let ourselves be falsely accused if necessary. So we bring glory and honor to his name. The word consolation there means to come alongside, to help, to counsel, to exhort, which is what the Lord does for us. Guys, he encourages us. How many of you, when you do something to minister to somebody else, even though your motivation is purely to love on them, you get blessed at the same time? Can I get an amen to that? When you go out of your comfort zone and you don't really want to do it, but you know someone has a need and you step out in faith and you faithfully minister to them. And the reality is we get comforted from the Lord when we faithfully serve others. The word comfort of love uh, portrays the Lord coming close and whispering words uh, in the ear, gently in the ear, a tender counsel to, to encourage us in our walk with him. Our God is not a faraway God. Can I get an amen to that? The world portrays God that he's this faraway, distant God, or they believe he doesn't exist at all, and they believe that all God, all paths lead to the same God, and they, that we're going to find that out at the end of this chapter. That's not true, the end of these verses this morning. There's only one God, amen? There are not many gods, and we didn't create God. God created us. And he's the Alpha and the Omega, all-knowing, almighty, all-powerful God, all-loving God, loved you so much you'd rather die than live without you. And what we all need to know is that we're never alone in this life. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He comforts us. He sent the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. That's what the word comfort there, the Paracletus, the Comforter. He comforts us in this life. And the word comfort of love, I'll give you one guess what that word love is in Greek. What do you think? It's agape. Agape is a selfless love where you love someone outside of yourself more than yourself. And so as Christians, we get portrayed sometimes as being self-righteous jerks who hate people. And sometimes maybe we deserve that by the way we treat people. Can I get an amen to that? But that should not be so. We should be the most loving, most kind, most generous people on the planet. Why? Because once we were lost and now we're found, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We have the promise of eternal life. How in the world can we allow the things of this life to take our eyes off the Lord and put them back on ourselves? Our God's not far away. He's near us. He comforts us and he chooses to use us. We're to comfort others the way Christ comforts us. He's the comforter and again, uses us in times of distress. Now it says fellowship, and that word's there, fellowship of the Spirit. You know what we all have in common? What do we all have in common when you give your life to the Lord? We have Jesus in common, and who does he come to send to live in our lives? The Holy Spirit. 
So Holy Spirit is with everybody. They call him their conscience. It's the reason the world knows right from wrong. Right from wrong has nothing to do with us. We don't know right from wrong in and of ourselves. The, the mind and the heart of man are perverse and wicked above all things. But the Holy Spirit is with everyone. Call them their conscience. They know right from wrong. I've done prison ministry for years. I meet guys. They know right from wrong. Even if they've chosen to do wrong, they know right from wrong. But here's the difference. When you give your life to the Lord, the Holy Spirit goes from being here to being here. And He's not out here you know, trying to draw you. Now he's living inside of you. He walks with you. He talks with you. He never leaves you. And now the conviction goes to a whole different level. Can I get an amen to that? Where before you knew right from wrong, and now you're grieved when you do wrong. Your heart is broken when you sin. Why? Because you love the Lord. And you know, again, the Bible and the Word of God is not a fence to keep you out of Disneyland. It's a guardrail to keep you from driving off a cliff. Can I get an amen? Too many people think, oh, obeying the word of God is going to keep me from having any fun. No, it's going to keep you from destruction. It's our heavenly father who loves us, who gave us this love letter. He knows what's best for us, and he comforts us and encourages us and gives us his Holy Spirit that we might walk with him, and we have this intimate fellowship. Now, again, he's saying to these two women, just make, hey, you guys have the same Holy Spirit, right? And he would say to us the same thing. We have people that we have conflict with, people that were, you know, uh, you know, even looking at other Christians in a different way. Look, I love, I, I say this all the time. We're all one church. We just meet in different places. Amen. And I was excited when someone gets saved at Agora Bible Fellowship or Calvary Community or the Presbyterian Church down the road or guys, as long as they get into a boat, I don't care how they get to shore. As long as they get to shore, whatever boat they get in. Amen. And here's the heart. We're all in the same team. And so he's reminding them, we have the Holy Spirit in common, right? Don't we have the Holy Spirit in common? Don't we have Jesus in common? And when we have Jesus in common, we have everything in common. Amen? And that's the commonality, the fellowship. The word fellowship there literally means to have in common. Notice he says there, as you move forward, affections and mercy. The affection there is kindness, benevolence, compassion. We have a helps ministry here. Most of you are involved in it. If you're not, you can be. You simply sign up and say, hey, if somebody needs a meal I want to know that there's a need and maybe I can help. If somebody needs a ride somewhere, if somebody has, needs their house cleaned when they're sick and are in the hospital, if somebody, if I can do something simple for somebody and we just sign you up and then when, when that happens, they send it out to everybody and whoever wants to step out and help can help. But you know what? That's affection when you, even when you're tired or even when you've had a long day, you recognize that there's people that need to be ministered to and you step out of your comfort zone and you set aside your own personal comfort to go love on somebody else. Can I get an amen to that? And you know what? We need to do that because that's what Jesus did. Amen? I'm going to be transparent with you. Most of you know, I work a full-time job and I pastor a church and I have a family. Okay? And I study 30 to 40 hours a week and I work 40 to 50 hours a week and I actually get tired sometimes. It actually does happen. I know people might think I don't, but I do. But I'll tell you something. It doesn't matter what time my phone rings. Sometimes there's a moment for a second where I think, man, I'm tired. I can just let that go to voicemail. But I'll tell you what, if I'm awake and I'm not in front of a customer or even if I'm asleep, I'm going to pick up the phone. Because guys, it's not about us. Amen? The only thing we're taking to heaven with us is people. And when this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last. And he's exhorting them and encouraging them where there's conflict and reminding them, you have Jesus in common, you guys. 
Why are you debating over a non-essential? Why are you fighting with each other? Why won't you, either one of you give in? It's time to die to yourself and esteem others greater than yourself. So affections, kindness, compassion. He also says mercies. The word mercy there, again, is again, it's, it's compassion, it's pity, it's a longing. God has extended his deep affection and mercy to every believer, and these common truths alone should result in you and I being on the same page. I've said this many times, so it bears repeating. Blood is thicker than water, but the Holy Spirit's thicker than blood. When we have Jesus in common, we have everything. I had a customer last Monday night. I got there at 4.30. I was with him until 9 o'clock. And the reason I was there so long is I found out he was a Christian. He's an attorney. I was a new account of mine. And we just started talking about the Lord. We spent three hours talking about the Lord encouraging each other, praying for each other. I'm helping him with his business. I'm hugging him on the way out the door, and I let him know, I got people I'm related to. I'm closer to you than people I'm related to. And we've just spent a few hours together because we have the Lord in common. Amen? And he's reminding them. So if there's somebody in the body of Christ that you're bickering with about a secondary issue, you have the Holy Spirit in common. Let's let that go. Can I get an amen? Let's remember what it's really all about. Let's make the Lord the priority. So in effect, here's what he says. Pastor Dave's paraphrase of verse 1. Since there is so much encouragement in Christ, since his love is so tremendously persuasive, since the Holy Spirit brings us together in Christian fellowship, filled with so much, ten- filled with so much tender affection and mercy, verse 2, fulfill my joy by being like-minded. How do we fulfill the joy of the Lord? Fulfill his joy. You can fulfill the joy of the Lord? How in the world do you do that? He tells us. How do we bring a smile to our Savior's face? How do we bring joy to the Lord? He says, fulfill my joy. Now, Paul's talking about this himself, but of course, it fulfills not only the joy of Paul, but the joy of our Savior. First of all, how do we do that? By being like-minded. Seeing things as he sees them. Respond to people the way he would respond. In light of all that Christ has done for us and through us, how do we bring joy to the Lord's heart? By being like-minded. By having the same love, the same sacrificial love for each other as shown to them by Christ. I believe if we gave the way we should give, I believe that anybody who's hurting should be able to come to the local churches and we should be able to take care of their needs. Can I get an amen to that? That's what Alhana is doing for women who need help. And you know what? As, as born-again Christians who say we're pro-life, we ought to live like it. Can I get an amen? If we care about babies, let's do something about it. Amen? And praise God. And we actually do give to them monthly because we believe in what they're doing. It says of the same love, again, the same agape for each other, being of one accord, united in spirit, working together toward a common goal as directed by Christ, having the same desires, the same passions, the same ambitions. Hey, if you're new to this fellowship, here's, here's the philosophy of ministry of this church. Preach the word, love the people. Amen? One of the best fed and most loved people, and my prayer is that anybody who walks in here will immediately feel like family, because again, we have Jesus in common, we, have, we don't have church membership here, you show up, you're part of the family. Show up more than once, I'm hugging on you, in Jesus' name, can I get an amen? But the reality is that that's the body of Christ. We have of one love, of one accord, and it says of one mind, and that's one intent and purpose. We're, we are called to know Jesus and to make him known. That's what's going to matter. 
Never had anybody on their deathbed. I've been with people on their deathbed. I've done a lot of memorial services. I've been a pastor for 32 years. I've never had anybody who's dying say, I wish I'd worked more. I wish I'd made more money. I wish I'd you know, played one more round of golf or whatever it is. Those things aren't necessarily bad. But they always say, I wish I'd done more for the kingdom and I wish I'd spent more time with my family. It's always that, that way. And guys, it's, we can start doing that now. You don't have to wait till it's too late to go back and do that. Can I get an amen to that? We need to be of one heart, one accord, one passion. How many of you guys want to see Calabasas and the people around here come to know Jesus? Amen? Again, might be a simple thing, but we're going to pray over every one of those things. We're going to go and put them on 9,000 doors, and we're going to pray for people that maybe have walked away from the Lord. Maybe they'll come back. And I don't care if they come to church here, just as long as they go somewhere where the Word of God's being taught. Amen? We want to see people encouraged in the most holy faith. Paul is telling the Philippian Christians, and applies to you just as much to you and I today, that you and I are in Christ. We have a love for we should have a love for other Christians because the Lord and Savior died for them just as much as He died for you. Amen. When you look at people that you struggle with, remember that Jesus died for them. When you look at people that you think are beyond salvation, remember. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? And we need to not view ourselves as above people. Pray every day for divine appointments. Uh, don't be so busy about what you're doing that you miss out on an opportunity to love on somebody in the name of Christ and to minister to them. Can I get an amen to that? That's the body of Christ, and that's how we should operate. Our God has given us compassion and affection. Then it should also be the intent on having a, a one heart and one purpose and loving people. The church of mature believers is united in vision, living in harmony with one another, heading in the same direction to both share the gospel and walk in obedience to the word of God. So we're united in calling and passion and love and thoughts and aim and desire and where we're headed. Verse three. Now notice this. Here we go, because this is so contrary to the world. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. It's amazing how much can get done when no one needs to take the credit. Can I get an amen? And it's, we live in a world today that everybody wants everybody to know their name. Social media is an opportunity for the gospel, and it's also kind of a train wreck. Can I get an amen to that? I just saw this last week. A 19-year-old girl committed suicide because she didn't get enough likes on her selfie. And the reality is that people are looking for the world to praise them and esteem them and you know, honor them. And if, they, if they're not made famous and if they don't feel like they're popular enough, they feel like they're of no value, here's what we need to remember. We don't seek the praise of men. We seek the praise of the Lord. Amen? We seek to bring praise to His name, not ours. That God would be glorified. I pray they forget our names and remember His. Amen? And we live in a world today, they're interviewing people at every talent show. I want my own brand, my own name. I want my own perfume line. I want my own this. I want everybody to know my name. I want, who cares? We stand before God on Judgment Day. If everybody on the planet knew your name, it won't mean anything. Can I get an amen to that? And we live in a world, though, that seeks fame and seeks the focus to be on them. We need to deny ourselves, take up the cross, and follow Him. Amen? Seek first His kingdom. 
It says in James 1, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? If you think about it, the cause of virtually every conflict and source of division is selfishness and pride. Amen? Now, pride is nauseating in other people. Can I get an amen to that? When you see it in somebody else, you're like, dude, get over yourself. But don't we all struggle with it? Can I get an amen to that? Better go home and watch some football games later. There's football. Some of you don't like it, but I'm kind of into it. But, you know, it cracks me up. A guy will tackle a guy 15 yards downfield and he'll stop and thump his chest like this and then point at his name on the back of his jersey. And aren't I the greatest? Dude, you tackled a guy 15 yards. You got burnt on the play, by the way. But even above that, why is it about you? Remember my college coach when I played football in college said we played for the name on the front of the jersey, not the one on the back. Guys, we pray for his name, not for ours. We live to glorify his name, not ours. Who cares how many, I've got this many followers on whatever. They don't even know you. And they don't care about you. You know what? You know who knows you? You know who loves you? The people who help you move. Can I get an amen to that? People to help you move. Someone who drives you to the airport. Amen? How many of your followers are going to show up at your house for moving day, right? The reality is it's not being popular with men. It's being faithful to God and having real relationships with real people. Amen? And sadly, we live in a world today where it's all about me, and I'm so prideful, and I'm so arrogant, and I have to confess, I went and played miniature golf with my boys yesterday, and we were all about ourselves, I have to admit it. Very competitive. My new daughter-in-law was just shaking her head, looking at these Johnston men fighting over who wins a miniature golf game. It's pathetic. But the reality is, we're all, you know, we are very competitive, aren't we? we, we, you know, and, we, we and again, it's okay to be competitive and work hard. But if you're working hard to make your name, your name great, you've missed it. We should do our job as unto the Lord. We should be the best workers in the building. We bring glory and honor to the name of our Savior. Conceit is thinking too highly of oneself. And we live in a world today that says people need to esteem themselves more. That is the biggest bunch of nonsense I've ever heard in my life. Because we all esteem ourselves way too much. Can I get an amen to that? I'm always on my mind. I'm always thinking about me. Anybody else like me? I'm always thinking about me. I, my three favorite people sometimes I think about are me, myself, and I sometimes. Can I get an amen to that? And so we have some new people, so forgive the illustration. But here's proof that you all think about yourself. If I took a picture of the room right now and I put the picture up here on the wall and you all walked here, up here to look at the picture, whose picture are you looking for first? Game over. Can I get an amen? And the, and the quality of the picture will be based on how good you look. If you look good, it's an amazing picture. It should be in the paper. It should be on the church directory. Let's hang it up outside in the lobby. If you look goofy and everybody else looks great, it's time for a retake. Can I get an amen? But the reality is because we are so focused on ourselves. We're so conceited and arrogant. The word, again, in the dictionary says it's an excessively favorable opinion of one's own ability, importance, and wit. I found out the older I get, the better I was. Amen? You know, I played football in college, and the older I get, I think I was better than anyone at that. You know, at some point, you start to think of yourself as better than you really were, right? You have this selective memory looking back, and you think, this should not be so amongst Christians. We should not be prideful. We should not be arrogant, because we didn't earn heaven. Salvation was a free gift, and we did not deserve it. Can I get an amen to that? We did not deserve it, and we need to be people who walk in faith and unity before the Lord. The word Greek 
Again, for it means empty glory, the pursuit of one's own personal glory. Again, remember, only one person could be on the throne of your life. It's either you or it's the Lord. Choose one. Amen? The Bible says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up the cross, and follow me. It says at the end of that verse, but in lowliness of mind, let each other esteem others better than themselves. So if we're going to esteem others greater than ourselves, we should look at other people. You've heard me say joy, right? Jesus, others, yourself. So we put Jesus first, we put others in front of us, we put ourselves last. You know what? If we're truly, here's how you know if you're truly a servant, by how you respond when someone treats you like one. And we are called to be servants. We are called to esteem others greater than ourselves. He says also there, um, walking in lowliness of mind, again, having a humble opinion of yourself. You know, having a humble opinion of yourself doesn't mean that you think poorly of yourself. It just means you don't think about yourself at all. It's not about me. Take me out of the equation. It clears things up pretty quick. Verse 4, let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. For esteeming others greater than ourselves, not esteeming ourselves, for doing that, then we're going to look out for their interest even over ours. We're going to put away our selfish ambitions, our conceit, our self-centeredness, our pride. As we begin to esteem others greater than ourselves, our attitudes ought to start being reflected in our actions. The word look there means to fix one's eyes on, direct one's attention to, more than just kind thoughts about others, but godly sacrificial actions in seeking to bless and minister to the needs of others. You know what? There are people in this room that you've been gifted by God to be sensitive when someone has a need. God bless you. Amen? Someone who recognizes that my wife's great at this. She'll pull me aside sometimes at home. She'll go, hey, babe, I think you need to call so-and-so. I'm like, really? I'm like, oh, yeah, I just think you need to call him. I think, I think you need to call him. And I'd call, and sure enough, she's right. And we need to be sensitive that there's other people in the body of Christ that may need to be ministered to. And you know what? If they need a hug, use our arms, Lord. Amen? They need a word of encouragement, use our lips. Let's think about others more than we think about ourselves. But again, we esteem others greater than ourselves. We're not going to be easily offended. Can I get an amen to that? You know who's easily offended? The person that thinks more highly of themselves than they ought to. Let's move to point number two. So, by having a humble and submitted mind, by having the mind of Christ, how do we have joy in spite of people? There's unity in humility. If we all esteem each other greater than ourselves, you know what's going to happen? We're not going to be easily offended, and we're always going to look on how we can minister to each other. And you know what happens then? That's a healthy church. Can I get an amen to that? And we'll get outside these walls and minister to people. Secondly, Jesus is the ultimate example of humility and submission. Look at verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, these verses through verse 11 are believed by many to have been an early hymn. These are words they actually sang. And by the way, after you read through this, it's something we ought to be singing. Can I get an amen? But let this mind also be in you, which is also in Christ. Again, this poetic language, this portion is known, again, that it contains a statement of theology of what Jesus did. And as Christians, we need to have the mind of Christ. You know what Christian means? It means little Christ. Uh, do we fall short of that? Can I get an amen? But we're, and they, when they started using that term, it was, it was derogatory. It was like picking on somebody. Oh, you, you little Christ. Who are you trying to be, Jesus? Who are you trying to follow? It was mocking 
people who are following the Lord. And he says, but we are to have the same mind of Christ. Tells us we have a choice. Mind is, it has to do with our attitude. We should have the same attitude as Christ about serving others, about doing the will of the Father, about hating sin but loving the sinner. His, and now his heart and his mind are going to be revealed in the coming verses. Look what it says in verse 6. So the mind of Christ. What is the mind of Christ? Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Being stresses a person's nature, his continuous state or condition that cannot be changed. Jesus is God. Amen? Jesus is God. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He created all things. He's over all things. He's before all things. He's the only way to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Buddha is dead. Hare Krishna is dead. All the other religious leaders who've ever come on the, point, on, the, on the plane have all died. We can dig up their bones. They're buried and in the ground. And Jesus Christ is a risen and living Savior who has triumphed over sin and death, proving himself to be God. So guys... We can be loving and gracious towards people that believe other things, and we should be kind, but we need to point them to the truth. And it's not my truth or your truth, it's the truth. And Jesus is the truth, amen? And he left heaven and came to earth. He humbled himself out of love for us, and he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God because he is God, amen? L. Ron Hubbard said he was God, and then he died. Church of Scientology. He's not God. Can I get an amen? He created nothing. He he rose from nothing. By the way, over 300 Old Testament prophecies all fulfilled by Jesus Christ. Muhammad filled zero prophecies. Amen? Go to any God you want to choose, any religious leader you want to choose. Jesus is proven to be God. And you know what? He came to earth. He's equal with God. Didn't say it's not, don't, don't, Equate me with God because he is God. So he didn't say it was robbery to make himself equal with God. But then he says this, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. See, Jesus is God, but he loved us so much, he was willing to leave perfect heaven to come to earth so you and I could be forgiven. What a great and awesome God we serve. No one else even claims they did that. No one else ever said they, they came from heaven. But Jesus did. So he is fully God, but he chose to be fully man so we could be fully saved. What a great and awesome God we serve. And you know what? He hung on a cross for us. We should be unashamed of him before a lost and a dying world. He, you know, remember that when you want to look at the value of something, don't look at how many followers you have or how many people liked your last selfie. I don't do selfies. I do ussies. I don't want to do any pictures of just me in the picture. If it's my whole family or me and my wife, I might, but I, no, no, we don't do selfies. We do ussies at my house. But the reality is, if you're looking for fame, or if you're looking for your value based on how many people like you, remember that the value of who you are is based on what was willing to be paid for you. Remember that Jesus died on the cross and he paid the ultimate price. So how valuable are you to him? Amen? How valuable would someone have to be for you to give one of your children to die in their place? I'll be honest with you. Ain't happening in my house. 
I might be more willing to die for you, but I'm not giving up my kids or grandkids. That's not happening. But, but Almighty God did. Amen? It does not prove how much He loves you. When the world says, where's God? If God loved you, He would. God already showed that He loved you because He did. Amen? Again, I still think about Him leaving heaven. Guys, when we get to heaven, we never have to come back. Thank you, Lord. Amen? But he lived in heaven. He created heaven. He knew perfection of heaven. He knew no pain, no sorrow, no suffering. Being in that place, being in the presence of all my, and being there. And then he left that to come to the place that man messed up in the Garden of Eden. Amen? Where there's death and torture and pain and sorrow and suffering. He left perfection to come here. And then he endured all of it. He knew hunger. He knew pain. He knew, he knew all of it. And he did all of that endured all of that out of love for us. And then we get bummed out to say, well, if God loved me, he wouldn't let me suffer. Well, God loves us, and he was willing to suffer for us. We should be willing, if necessary, to suffer for him. Can I get an amen to that? We've missed out on what Christianity is. It's not a cruise ship to heaven. It's a battleship anchored at the gates of hell. Can I get an amen? It's not this, oh, give your life to Jesus. You'll never have another problem. In this world, you will have tribulation. Can I get an amen? So he came in the form of God. He did not consider robbery to be equal with God. He made himself of no reputation. Again, if Jesus, almighty God in human flesh, made himself of no reputation, how much more should we do the same? The pursuit of fame is fleeting and it's godless. Took on the form of a bondservant. The word bondservant there, if you've been coming here any length of time, you know what that is. A bondservant is a slave by choice. People would be indentured into slavery if they couldn't pay a bill, they, if they got in so far in debt. So they would become the person's servant. But here's what would happen. If they paid off the debt, then they could go free. But some, after the debt was paid, would say, I want to stay. I'm a part of your family. I love where I am. I know I don't owe you anything else, but I want to stay. I want to be bound by love, not by law. And so a bondservant is someone who is a slave by choice. And Jesus said he came as a slave by choice. Almighty God, the creator of the universe, came and made himself a slave for us. You know what's interesting? Lucifer says, I will, I will, I will, I will, in Isaiah. I will be like the Most High. I will be the God. And, G and Jesus always says, thy will, thy will, thy will, pointing to the will of the Father. Amen? Guys, when you say, I will, you're being Satan-like. When you say, thy will, we're being Christ-like. So he came in the likeness of man, still 100% God, but also knew hunger and exhaustion and weariness, from heaven to earth, from glory to shame, from master to servant, from life to death, permanently took on a human body. Guess who's going to have a human body in heaven? Jesus and nobody else. Did you know that? He took it on for eternity. The Bible says we're going to see the nail prints in his hands. We're going to have perfect... Now, it's going to be different than the body. It's going to be the body he had after the resurrection. But he's going to be a constant reminder of what was done so that you and I might have eternal life. And Jesus took that on himself out of love for us. And we get bummed out if somebody calls us when we're tired. Amen? What grace, what an awesome loving God we serve that he did so much for us. Serving others, not others serving him. He's, and who did he serve? He served fishermen and tax collectors and harlots. You know, he, he washed the feet of the one who was about to betray him. Let's finish up verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, 
he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even to death of the cross, on the cross. You can never do the cross justice. Amen? You just can't. How many of you guys saw the passion of the Christ? How many of you guys saw the part where he was being scourged? Is that not the most difficult thing you've ever watched in your life? You just want it to be over. You know Jesus endured every bit of that. I just heard this week that Jim Caviezel, who played the, the part of Jesus, that they had a, a big wooden thing on his back that they put on his back under his clothing so that when the, the beatings, when the things came, it hit the board and it didn't hit him. But I heard that one of them, the guy reached back and he kind of missed. And just one of the lashes of the 39th, reached out and caught him on his side and ripped down his side. He has a 14-inch scar to this day. And he said that one lash hurt so much that he, he, he was in so much pain, he couldn't even make a sound. And our Savior had 39 of those and could have stopped at any time he wanted, but he endured it because he loves you. Amen? Your value isn't how many likes you have on Facebook it's how loving our Savior is that He endured that because He loves you so much He'd rather die than live without you. The cross of Calvary was a place of shame. When they put someone, the only people that died on the cross were the worst criminals they could find. And they did it to humiliate you, and it was a form of Roman torture. It was to make the most painful death you could possibly endure. So after being beaten and mocked and scourged, we know nails were put in His hands and His feet. You're up on the cross, you can't, and what happens is you eventually die of suffocation because your weight is falling on you, and they put them right through the nerves in your hands and your feet, so you feel constant pain. And every time you take a breath, that pain shoots through your entire body. And so what happens is these people, they're, 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 every time they take a breath, it brings the most torturous amount of pain. But if they don't breathe, they're going to die. And then they make it so it lasts as long as possible. And not only that, you're hung naked on a cross, and they put our Savior as it was Passover, right on the busiest roadway. So everybody walking by is mocking our Savior. The Pharisees, the religious leaders are saying, well, if you know, he said he saves others, let him, let him save himself. And Jesus endured humility, being humbled, he, being, being mocked, he, torturous pain we don't understand. And guess what? None of that's the worst pain. The worst pain was when the sin of all mankind was placed upon him. And he endured separation from the Father. And he knew what it was like to have the sin of all mankind, my sin and your sin, past, present, and future, poured out upon him. And he endured all of it. The sky went dark. The earth quaked during that time. Hours of separation from the Father. And Jesus endured all of that because he loves you. What a great and awesome God we serve. Can I get an amen to that? He loves you so much, he'd rather die than live without you. What a great God. The death on the cross. People, you know, one of the things I love to ask people when they have a cross around their neck is, I love to ask them, does that mean something to you? Hey, what's, what does that mean to you? Does that have a special significance? Oh, it just matched my purse. Okay. Sometimes people say it has a great, you know, means a lot to me. Guys, it ought to mean everything to us. Amen? The cross of Calvary. I remember being in uh, India and, Right now it was Mexico. I saw a sign that said cheap crosses. They were selling crosses. It said cheap crosses. And I thought, there's no such thing. Salvation's a free gift, but it costs our Savior everything. Can I get an amen to that? Let me finish. Verse 9. Therefore God also highly exalted him 
and has given him the name above every name. Guys, there's no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. The Pope came out recently and said the Muslims worship the same God as we do. No, they don't. Look, I'm not... We're narrow. Yeah, the Word of God's narrow. The truth is narrow. Two plus two is four. It's not five, seven, three, or nine, no matter how much you believe it. Can I get an amen to that? The truth is the truth, and Jesus is the only way to heaven. One way God said to get to heaven, and Jesus is the only way. Now notice, he humbled himself before men, but he was exalted by the heavenly Father, his heavenly Father. Amen? Guys, you can either be exalted by men and humbled by the Father, or humbled by men and exalted by the Father. Which one do you choose? Do you want to be exalted by men and praised by men and worshipped by men and think it's all about you, and then stand before God one day and be accountable for who you are? Are you willing to be suffering in front of men, knowing that you're being obedient to the Lord? And here's my retirement plan. You ready? It's seven words that I long to hear. Well done, now good and faithful servant. Amen? It's the ultimate 401k. I want to live my life. We should want to live our lives for the Lord to bring Him glory, not to bring us glory. I feel bad that I'm motoring through this. I know we're almost out of time here, but verse 10 and 11, look what it says. Gives him the name above every name. By the way, anybody ever say swear to Buddha? Oh, Muhammad. No one's ever does that. Hare Krishna. I've never heard that once. Do they take Jesus' name in vain all the time? Why? Because he's got the name that's above all names. His name is mocked because he is the only way to salvation. It says there in verse 10, that at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow of those in heaven, of those on earth, and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Before it's over, every knee will bow to Jesus Christ. It says those in heaven, those on the earth, and those under the earth, those who've died separated from God or in Hades waiting for righteous judgment, they will confess Jesus. Osama bin Laden is going to confess Jesus. Adolf Hitler is going to confess Jesus. Muhammad is going to confess Jesus. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But guys, we can bow here and be blessed then. Or we can reject him here and bow then. Amen? Every knee will bow. Jesus Christ is God. And it it breaks my heart to see the arrogance and the attitude that people curse his name, reject his name, mock his name. Now, guys, what I have found, too, let me close with this. Here's what I found, too. Most people who have a problem with Christianity, it's not because of Christ, it's because of Christians. Can I get an amen to that? Most people, we talk about, oh, yeah, Jesus. Now, they don't know who he is, and they need to understand better who he is. But they'll go, well, Jesus, right? He served people, loved people. By the way, he, he, no, he's not, he wasn't a socialist. Can I get an amen to that? He believes in work. The Bible says a man who does not work shall not eat. But the Bible's true, right? But he loved people unconditionally. He went to the people no one else wanted to minister to. We should do the same. But his name is mocked. And it says those in heaven, the angels and those who have already died, bow. Those on earth, again, Every man, woman, and child who's ever lived and those living today will one day bow before Jesus Christ. And again, under the earth, Satan, the demons, those who rejected the Lord. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. See, submission is not just a word, it's an action. Satan's going to bow and confess. Gandhi's going to bow, Reverend Moon, Charles Taze Russell, L. Ron Hubbard, 
uh, the guy who wins the MVP at the Super Bowl this year, if he doesn't, I mean, we're all gonna bow, we're all gonna bow, amen. But again, we can bow now unto salvation, or bow then unto condemnation. And again, that seems like a hard thing for people to to grasp because they'll say, "Well, wait a minute." So God makes me bow to Him. Well, here's the reality. Once we see him for who he is, we're all going to bow. Can I get an amen? Everybody says, I got questions for God when I get to heaven. No, no, you don't. When we get into the presence of Almighty God, we're going to be blown away. Can you get an amen to that? No matter how great you think God is, he's greater than that. Amen? No matter how amazing you think our Savior is, he's more amazing than that. And when we see him face to face, there's only one position we're all going to be in. Amen? As I close, I know we're going over a few minutes. But here's the reality. Everybody in this room, every one of us, is going to stand before the Lord one day. And the only thing that's going to matter in eternity is what have you done with God's Son? The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved to the glory of the Father. You confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. You deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. The only reason, I'm going to, only reason I'm going to get to go to heaven, the only reason any of us will get to go to heaven is because of who we are in Christ, not what, not what we've done in ourselves. Amen? So is Jesus Christ your best friend? Are you, are you born again? The Bible says you must be born again. It doesn't, it, he told that to the most, one of the most religious people of the day. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, you must be born again. You were born physically. You need to be born again spiritually. It means born from above. See, here's the reality. You don't have to wait until Judgment Day to have all that God has for you. You can have it right now. Amen? And do you know eternal life starts right now? And I'm going to heaven, and I'm not arrogant about it. I'm grateful for it, and I'm blown away by it because I don't deserve it. But I have the promise of eternal life. Amen? And if you're here this morning and you don't know, are you going to heaven? I hope so. Guys, Christianity's not a hope so. It's a no-so. Because Jesus promised it, He's faithful to his word. And guys, the cross of Calvary and an empty tomb proves he is who he said he is. Hundreds of Old Testament prophecies prove he is who he says he is. And guess what? Because he's been faithful to every promise in the past, he's going to be faithful to the promises in the future. And guys, you either know him or you don't. And don't leave here without him this morning. Can I get an amen? Dear Lord, we come before you. We thank you. We praise you. We love you. You are indeed a great and an awesome God. I thank you for everyone who's here. Again, none by chance, all by divine appointment. Lord, if anyone's here today that doesn't know you, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. The Lord, your word says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. If you're here this morning, you've never given your life to the Lord. You recognize that you're a sinner. You've lied before. You've been prideful. You've been angry. You've lusted in your heart, lust of the flesh, pride of life. You know you're a sinner. The Word of God tells us God can't have one sin in heaven. There can be no sin in heaven. Heaven is perfect. We've got a problem. So what's the solution? The solution is Jesus died on the cross and took your sin and my sin upon himself that we might be forgiven. But guys, salvation doesn't come by going to church. It doesn't come because your parents are Christians. God has no grandchildren. At some point, you have to make a decision to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. I'm not asking you to join Calvary Chapel, but to accept the free gift of salvation. Jesus holds his nail print hands out to each one of us 
Salvation is offered universally, but it has to be accepted individually. At some point, you have to make the choice that I want to get off the throne of my life and I want to put Jesus there right where he belongs. If that's your desire this morning, I'm going to give you a chance to confess before men by doing something simple. If you're a Christian already, pray for the people here that may not be. Here's an opportunity to confess and just raise your hand and say, you know what? I want to openly confess that I'm a sinner and I want Jesus to forgive me. If that's your heart, just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Don't leave here without him. The Lord loves you so much, he'd rather die than live without you. Amen? Anybody at all? Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. May we never allow the cross of Christ to grow common. Oh, Lord, the next time we think we're of no value, the world tries to tell us how worthless we are. May we remember the cross and how much you love us. Instead of trying to be famous with men and women, may we try to be, may our hearts be to be faithful to you. And Lord, we know we can't do this on our own. We need the empowering of your Holy Spirit. Fill us afresh, Lord. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, let's stand up.